0: section eighteen of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter eighteen he had a sour behaviour and a tongue immoderately free and full of taunting livy what's brought you here miss bell was his salutation on entering but nowise daunted with what indeed she was well accustomed to she boldly shook hands with all around and then showing a small basket i have brought you some very fine strawberries uncle they are the first we have had in our garden and i assure you i have had much ado to keep them from the children for you and with a consequential air she disclosed some dozen or two of very so-so looking strawberries you had very little to do then said mr ramsay i wad na gee a bobby for a the berries in your garden so ye may just tack them back to war ye brought them frae, or stay since ye hay robbed your brithers and sisters of them poor things there's a barber bairn sway doors af that wad maybe be glad of them it's lying in the mizzles pon my word uncle said miss bell in great indignation i have something else to do than to pick strawberries for Barber's brats indeed but uncle adam going to the door called the maid and giving her the strawberries directed her to carry the berries to rob rattray's bairn and to ask how he was miss bell prudently turned a deaf ear to the message and was apologizing with all her powers of eloquence to mrs st clair and her daughter for not having been to visit them but the truth is said she with a well-got-up air of modesty that in my situation visiting is out of the question if i were to go to one place i should have to go everywhere and the major has so many connections in the country who of course would expect me to come to them that it would be extremely unpleasant in my situation where the thing is so well known this i assure you is the only place i ever go to as i think it a positive duty lowering her voice to pay attention to my uncle poor man and i am the only one of the family who understands his ways and can manage him mr ramsay having for the moment appeased the antipathy he bore his niece by the insult he had offered her was now restored to something like good-humour weel miss bell said he what have you made of your naw bob your swain your levier your what d'ye you call him if you mean the major said miss bell with dignity he walked into town with me and is gone to look at a pair of carriage horses that are for sale at the white bear just now i suppose he will be here in a little then drawing back from the window with a face of alarm as a carriage passed i really wish uncle if you mean to remain here you would get a blind for your window for everybody is seen in this room and in my situation it is not very pleasant i assure you to be exposed to everybody that passes that was the bog hall carriage that passed just now and they must think it very odd to have seen me sitting here when i declined an invitation to dinner there for to-morrow upon the plea that i went nowhere at present then what brings you here if you're no fit to be seen demanded uncle adam in a most wrathful accent i must confess my dear uncle said mrs st clair of an opening for expressing her sentiments and at the same time softening the tone of the conversation this house does not seem quite suitable for you what ails the house asked he sharply i beg pardon i understood perhaps i was misinformed that you were the proprietor of a charming place in this neighbourhood weel this was put in so startling a manner that mrs st clair's courage failed her and she feared to reply not so miss bell well to think of anybody in their senses living in this little vulgar shabby hole when they have such a house as bloom park standing empty i assure you uncle it has a very odd appearance in the eyes of the world miss bell black you that such a wise sensible weel informed woman that kensaw thing will you just tay the goodness to tell me what are the eyes of the world, and where do they stand for muckle i hae heard of the eyes o the world, but i hae never been able to see them yet and mr ramsay fixed his upon her while he advanced his face almost close to her and put his hands on his knees in a manner that seemed to say answer me this before you stir miss bell hesitated a little why i can only tell you uncle that lord fairacre was quite confounded when the major told him you had never taken possession of bloom park yet and said it was most extraordinary that you should continue to live in a house that was hardly good enough for a dog-kennel and bog hall who was present said he did not believe the whole house was the size of his kitchen and the major himself i know thinks and so these are the eyes of the world cried mr ramsay with a sort of growling sardonic laugh pretty eyes they are to be sure to drive a man out of his ain house the tane a poor silly spendthrift the tither a great gorman dies in swash and the third but how comes the war'l to have but the three eyes can you no mock out a fourth i beg your pardon i suppose your ain was to be the fourth and that a all right for then ye can gee the world twa faces, fair Acres and Boghall on the to face Major Waddell and Miss Bell Black on the tither. Then in a lower key and muttering to himself, Spendthrifts and ne'er do weels on the Tay side, fools and toppies on the tither, true picture of the world any other than miss bell would certainly have given in here but miss bell was one of those gifted mortals who are quite invulnerable to the shafts of envy hatred or malice when it is their interest to be so and though she did look a little hot and disconcerted for a few minutes she quickly rallied and resumed i assure you uncle whatever you may think the opinion of the world is not to be despised miss Bell Black, i've lived rather longer in the world than you have done and i've seen rather mair at than you're ever likely to see and i would nae gee that snapping his fingers for either it's good word or it's ill it canna say that ever i oppressed them that were beneath me or cringed to them that were a boon me or that i ever rang ony creature o a bottle or that i ever said the thing i didna think if either you or your warl think i'm to be dictated to in my ain house you're much mistaken well uncle i can only say i think it is a great pity that so fine a place as bloom park should be standing empty and since you seem resolved not to live at it yourself there's many a one i assure you would be glad to take it off your hands the major has been looking at elm grove but i think there is no comparison between bloom park and it what then demanded mr ramsay oh nothing only if you had any thoughts of letting it it is such a paradise that i could be at nay loss for an adam and eve to put in it interrupted her uncle your nawbob and you for instance with a growling grin but i can tell you ye'll no play your gambols there if i can help it miss bell looked very indignant as she replied as to that the major cares very little about the matter if i am pleased that is all he is anxious about and the rent is no object but i find it very difficult to get a place to suit us in every respect but here is the major himself and the major was presently ushered in mr ramsay received him with tolerable civility and mrs st clair desirous of receiving his vote at the approaching election was preparing the way by a soft speech about nothing but miss bell never permitted the major to speak to or look at or listen to anybody else when she was present and she therefore called him off with well major did you see the carriage horses and what do you think of them they seem good serviceable horses not particularly handsome replied he what colour i'll thank you for a glass of water major pray allow me to put a little wine in it the least drop and you think they will do oh not so much that is not for me to decide replied the major with a bow which was graciously acknowledged with a smile perhaps you will take a look of them yourself why in my situation in a modest key i hardly think i should like to go to the white bear major will you take this glass but i shall desire the ostler to bring them up here tis but a step from the stables i'm for none of your horses brought to my door cried mr ramsay it will be through the town i'm setting up my chaise next and a bonny baloo there'll be and he paced the room in great perturbation at the bare supposition of such a thing my dear sir began the major but he was cut short with now i'm for none of your horses at my door bless me uncle cried miss bell i think you may be very well pleased to get the credit of a carriage at such an easy rate great credit to be sure to get the credit of being an auld ostentatious fool such nonsense uncle at any rate i thought you did not care what the world said of you you thought repeated uncle adam with the most sovereign contempt and what entitles you to think but ye need say nae mair aboot it there's to be nay horses brought to my door if ye mawn hae horses ye mawn gang to the horse-market for them like other folk i'm no to hay my house turned into a white bear my dear sir said the major in my situation interrupted miss bell it would have a very odd appearance in the eyes of the world but here mrs st clair interposed by offering to chaperone her niece to the white bear in lord rossville's carriage hoping to be repaid for this civility by securing the major's vote the offer after a little affected demur was accepted and the major was dispatched to have the horses in readiness i really think uncle you might dispense with a fire now remarked miss bell as she rose to depart do ye ken naething else i could dispense wi demanded mr ramsay with a look and emphasis that might have made a tortoise fly not so miss bell who still lingered in the desperate hope of showing her consequence and proving her influence over uncle adam and his seventy thousand pounds well uncle when are we to see you at bellevue i would prefer my claim for a visit said mrs st clair with her most winning smile but lord Rossville intends himself to have the pleasure of calling upon you and in hopes of getting my vote interrupted mr ramsay impatiently but he may just save himself the trouble i know gone to be hunted out of my senses by your election hounds i'll give my vote to what i like or maybe i'll keep it to mysel but there's a thing i can tell you it's no to be had for the asking mrs st clair prudently received this rebuff in silence but miss bell plucked up fresh spirit at witnessing another's discomfiture and taking her uncle by the breast of the coat and drawing him back she began in an undertone of voice as if desirous of not being overheard by the bye uncle talking of votes there is one thing that i feel very anxious about and that is that the major and you should concert something together as to your votes it would be extremely awkward i think if you were to take different sides and have a very odd appearance in the eyes of the world whatever uncle adam's thoughts might be his looks portended a storm ready to burst forth but as gertrude turned towards him to wish him good morning his features relaxed and his frown gradually softened into something like a smile the eyes of the world repeated he i wouldna gi a glisk uh, they bonnie e'en of yours for all the eyes of the world put together. and dinna you my dear let the eyes of the world scare you as they hae done uh, frae your ain happiness now fare you weel my doughty, patting her shoulder and i'll say to you what i wadna say to monny i'll i be glad to see you come when you like fair ye weel good morning to you miss bell and ye may take the eyes of the world on your back and muckle good may they do ye and with a laugh of derision uncle adam saw his visitors drive off and returned to his little dusty sunny parlor elate with the triumph of having defied the world and its eyes but before parting with mr ramsay we must here observe that he is not the only one who has attempted to walk as if uncontrolled by the scan of that dread power commonly called the eyes of the world few if any however have ever arrived at entire emancipation from its influence which extends more or less over all mankind uncle adam flattered himself that he was one of the happy few who had escaped from its thraldom but alas poor man its yoke was still upon him and unconscious of its chains he hugged himself in his freedom he cared not indeed that the world should call him a miser he cared not that the world should call him a churl he cared not that the world should call him odd he cared not that the world should say he lived in a mean house or wore a shabby hat or an old-fashioned wig but he cared lest the world should think he cared for the world or lest the world should say that he was vain or proud or ostentatious or expensive and it was this which made him often deny himself many a little comfort many a harmless gratification many an innocent desire he had in common with that world he so much despised to be free from the eyes of the world has been the aim of many but the attainment of few man is not born to be free and when all restraint is laid aside the wickedness of the human heart displays itself in the most hideous forms tis to the christian alone that such freedom belongs and he only can say je crains a ne point d'autre crainte end of section 18